Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. But I want to talk to you about a key to unlock chains and access new gates. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God longs to bring you into a new freedom. Jesus died so you could live in complete, total freedom. The blood of Jesus purchased your freedom from the bondage and slavery of sin. Sin enslaves, sin dominates, and sin destroys. When Jesus went to the cross, he redeemed us with his own blood from the slavery of sin. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's power in the blood to bring freedom. John 8.36, a familiar passage, therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. See, the blood redeems, it washes, it cleanses, it liberates, and it gives us access. Hebrews 10.19, therefore brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Owen Walton writes, he said, a revelation of the blood of Jesus and what it has done for you will enable you to be free in your relationship with God, coming boldly to him and enjoying his presence without any sense of guilt, inferiority, or condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God is calling his people into a new identity. It's time for us to shed the identity of slavery, to move away from the identity of condemnation, to move away from the identity of guilt and shame. God is calling us into a new identity. Revelation 4.1 is an important scripture for this season. Listen to the words that John wrote. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first verse which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. If you read the study of the Old Testament, the children of Israel failed to enter into their promised inheritance because they saw the giants. They saw the fortresses. They saw the walls. And they saw the enemy as bigger than the promises of God. Listen to their words in Numbers 13, 27 through 28. Then they told him and said, We went to a land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And there we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. We will never enter into our promised inheritance with the identity of a slave. We must overcome the grasshopper syndrome. We were grasshoppers in their sight. Jesus encourages us in John 15, He says, these things I've spoken unto me, unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Bible teaches that we're opposed by the flesh, the world, and the devil. We overcome the world through the blood of Jesus. We put to death the flesh by faith, and Jesus made a show openly of principalities and powers. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. I've come this day to challenge you, to challenge you to pursue all God has for you and your family. I've come to stir up the gift of God that is within you individually and within you as a church corporately. God is placing keys in our hands that will unlock chains that have held us in bondage. He's given us access to gates that have previously been locked. There are new gates of opportunity that we must access in this season. So this morning, for the next few moments, there are three things I want to share with you about keys that unlock, chains that can be broken in the name of Jesus, and gates that we can access into a new territory and a new sphere of authority that God will bring us into. I believe that this message is a prophetic word or has a prophetic tone to it for us as the people of God. So look, first of all, at keys that unlock. Late last year, the Lord instructed me to take a key and go to strategic places in our lives and unlock the unrealized promises, the prophetic promises that he had made to Beth and I and to our family. Many promises that we have believed God for for many years. And the Lord said, take a key and go to those places and unlock those strategic places. Take that key, unlock the unrealized provision and the unrealized promises of the past. So we have done that. And we thought, I just thought it would be several places. But as I got into this journey, God began to speak to me and say, go there. Go to this place. Go to that place. And we have literally taken keys. And I've taken these keys to Panama. I'm telling you, there are more keys in Panama than there are in America. I've taken keys to London. I've taken keys to Maryland. I've taken keys to Georgia. I've taken keys uh, uh, all over the place. And everywhere the Lord has opened the door for us to share this message, people have these keys. And people take these keys. We got a picture of this key just a few months back when one of the young ladies that we ministered to who, who has been in relationship with us and she was in Lebanon on a ministry trip. She had her key with her in Lebanon on a ministry trip and she's taking that key and the different ones will call me and talk to me about what God is speaking to them through this key. Now there's nothing in this key, it's just a symbol. But God will put a key in your hand in this season to unlock what needs to be unlocked because the God you serve is unlimited. So we've taken them. I've shared this message of keys in different settings, and I've given out probably more than a 1,000 keys or more to people who would and say, I want you to take this key and unlock what needs to be unlocked. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a key that will unlock a specific door. God's given us powerful keys to unlock doors that have previously been locked. A door in Scripture represents three things. Entrance, Exodus 12, 7. They'll put it on the screen. Access, John 10, 7 through 9. And third, opportunity, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. I want you to listen to the words written by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. In Psalm 78, verse 23, there's a reference to the one who opens the doors of heaven. Listen to what it says. Yet he has commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. 
When God desires to bless you, he will open windows. Windows represent blessing. Doors represent revelation. Doors represent access. Greater access brings greater revelation. When God opens a door in heaven, it is a door of revelation. Revelation 4.1, I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up higher. God's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to a new place in our walk, in our relationship with him. And he wants to open a door of revelation to us. God is releasing keys to access these doors God is opening. I believe we're entering a time of open doors. Keys represent authority. They're effective doors, but they're also adversaries to oppose us as we move through these doors. We must exercise our God-given authority at the door. Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Matthew 16, 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Keys give us access. In Revelation 3, 7, Jesus is presented as having the key of David. And it says this in the scriptures, He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Jesus is releasing keys to give us access. Now, a key is a small thing, but its significance lies in that which it opens. A key gives us access to our cars, our houses, our workplaces. And we only entrust keys to the people that we trust. Keys open doors. And when strategic doors open, everything changes. Life's not the same as it was before, and behind each door is a room full of strategic provision. And these keys, I believe, can be used to access the provision we need in the season we're coming into. Keys open doors. Keys represent authority. Take the authority that is yours and use it in the name of the Lord against the adversaries that are opposing you at your place of open doors. These keys can also be used to unlock chains and access new gates. When I was growing up, we lived in Anderson, South Carolina on Wedgwood Drive. My dad was a contractor, and he had built the first four or five houses on that street, and there was one house that he just liked. He wanted it. Mama didn't like it, but we wound up living in it most of my life. They moved there, and next door we had these people that moved in. They had two young boys. I'd forgotten this, but they told me that I used to line them up and preach to them when they were little, <laughs> have church with them. And they had a dog, and it was, the dog was on a chain, but the chain was attached to a cord, and the cord would run like from the house to a certain place in the yard so the dog could move, but he could chain. And we had a cat. Her name was Buttons. She had these big gray eyes that looked like a big box full of buttons that we had in our garage. Somebody put the little cat out in our front yard, and we found it, and we brought it home, and the eyes looked like the buttons, so we named her Buttons. And Buttons was with us for many years, and we loved her. She was a part of the family. But Buttons was smart. She ruled that house. She ruled that yard. She didn't let the dogs in the neighborhood in that yard. I mean, man, she could chase dogs. You talk about a cat chasing dogs. She would chase the dogs. And she would go next door to the Foster's house, and she knew the limits of that chain. And she would get to the limit. That dog would just about near hang himself trying to get to her. I mean, and I thought you would figure this out after a while. 
I think for entertainment, this cat went out there and just sat at the end of this chain, and the dog would just, he would just, he'd get a running start. She knew where the limit was, and she knew that the chain kept that dog from getting to her. But if the dog ever got off the chain, woe be unto that cat. There was a lot of pent-up anger in that dog, I'm sure. For the last couple of days, I've just continually heard the words of this little chorus that we sing. Maybe I don't know if we sing it here or where I heard it, but it, it just simply says this. I hear the chains falling. The name of it is Break Every Chain. Tasha Cobb sings it. I, I was playing it on the computer as I was studying the other day, man. I, I had camp meeting all by myself. And, and one verse says, I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. It is loud in my spirit. I hear the chains falling. This morning, there are chains that have kept God's people in bondage. But they're being unlocked and they're falling to the ground. And my prayer today is break every chain. The chains that have held you will hold you no longer. I've come this morning to announce that the breaker is here. The one who breaks every chain is here. And I hear the sound this morning of chains falling. The enemy has used these chains to keep you from moving forward in the will of God. Psalms 107, 10 through 14, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. There are angels with keys a sign to release you from the chains of bondage. Chains of addiction can fall away in the name of Jesus. What holds you in bondage? Chains of disappointment and disillusionment can be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Chains of fear can fall away right now at the word of the Lord. There's a chain-breaking anointing in this place today. See, Jesus was met by a man bound by shackles and chains in a cemetery in Mark chapter 5. In Mark 5, 3 and 4, it said, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles. The old English word is fetters and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. This man was tortured in his mind, he was tortured by the enemy. He cut himself with stones and sharp instruments. He lived among the tombs. He lived in the place of death. The town officials didn't know how to handle him. As a matter of fact, in some translations, he's called the maniac of Gadara. They bound him with chains and fetters. A fetter is simply a shackle that is designed for the feet. They tried to wrap him in chains and bind his feet. What happened? Jesus set him free. There's freedom from every chain that binds you. He will remove the chains and free your hands to worship him. Why does he bind our feet? To keep us from walking in faith. To keep us from walking in the spirit. From keep us to hindering us in our walk with God. Why does he bind our hands? Because our hands are involved in worship. Lift up holy hands, the Bible says, in the sanctuary. Give praise to God with your hands lifted high. Lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. We come to God with hands lifted high. And Lord, the Lord wants to set our hands free so we can worship him. He will remove the shackles so you can progress. 
And your walk of faith will become a walk of freedom. I hear the chains falling. Keys that unlock chains. Hallelujah. Can you hear the sound of chains falling? Can you hear that this morning? There are chains that are falling. Chains that have bound us. Chains that have kept us in a place of stunted growth. In a place where we've made very little progress. I hear the chains falling. Keys will give us access to new gates. Keys will give us access to new gates. God is releasing keys of access. We will access new gates in this season. Doors represent opportunity. Windows speak a blessing. The Lord says when we return our tithe and our offering to him that he opens the windows of heaven and he pours out blessings we'll not have room to receive. We used to sing an old song that said the windows of heaven are open. The blessings are flowing tonight. I've got joy, joy down in my heart since Jesus made everything right. Windows. Doors can represent revelation because in this door, I have a door of access to the Father. And when I come into the presence of the Father, my perspective changes. My outlook changes. My thoughts change because I see him for who he really is. See, when God gets ready to give you revelation, he reveals his heart to you. And when I see God's heart, my heart is revealed. But then there are gates. If doors represent access, what do gates represent? Gates represent territory. Territory. You have authority, but your authority is limited to your assigned territory. That's where you carry authority. In your place of assignment. And that assignment is defined by territory. Territory is defined by boundaries. That's why we have to establish our boundaries and know our lanes and know our place. Doors are opportunity. God's going to open doors and give opportunity. Gates represent territory. And gates are governmental. Governmental. The Bible describes four different functions of gates during the Old Testament. It's a place that controlled access and provided strongly fortified protection. Place where legal or governmental leaders of the city set to hand down judicial decisions. A place where business and social functions occurred and where business contracts were made and witnessed. A place where prophetic messages were brought by the prophets and delivered to the elders of the city. God is going to have a governmental people today who will exercise the authority of the kingdom. We're not called to just be harassed by the devil, to barely get by and hopefully go to heaven one day. Well, if I can just make it, praise the Lord, maybe I'll go in the rapture. If I can just hold on just a little longer, maybe I'll get through. That, that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be a people of victory. You are called to be an overcomer. Well, pastor, haven't you heard that scripture in Psalms 34 19? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, I've heard that and I've heard people quote that. I've heard people talk about that. I've heard people make that their lot in life. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's true. And if you're righteous, you're going to suffer afflictions. Some of it you're going to suffer because you're in a fallen world. The world around you is fallen. Come on, somebody. Some of it you're going to suffer because of we reap what we sow. And some of it we're going to suffer because the enemy hates Jesus that lives down on the inside of you and he works against you and there's a clash of kingdoms that takes place from you. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Many of the afflictions are the righteous. But we leave out that last part. 
We put more emphasis on the first part of this scripture, but listen to the latter part of this verse. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to have persecution. Yes, you're going to endure difficulty. Yes, you're going, to, you're going to come under attack of the enemy. Absolutely. There's always going to have those kinds of things happen to you. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. Glory. Being a Christian does not shield you or make you immune from suffering. It was popular teaching that went around some years ago and uh, we had one pastor in another city, they said, that was preaching that if you, you would come to a place of faith in God that you would never have to suffer again. I thought, well, what part of the New Testament is he reading that I'm missing? It's not the purpose of faith to keep you out of the storm. The faith, purpose of faith is to get you through the storm. But here's the thing. We've got to stop glorifying the storm and stop making the devil bigger than what he is and start glorifying the power of the enemy and exalt the name of the Lord over our circumstances and believe him that he'll deliver us out of them all. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and barely get by. Is that what he said? Have it what? More abundantly. There are new gates to possess. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We are called to possess the gates of our enemy. He's held the gates far too long. Psalms 118, 19, and 20 open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Amanda Byers writes, she said, whoever sets at the gates of the city or nation controls that city or nation. Every place there's been violence in this nation. Over the last couple of years, especially with these police shootings in Baltimore and Ferguson and all those places, every one of those cities is a gateway city into this nation. It is a port of entry city. Used to be ports of entry like Ellis Island into the different harbors and into the different places. You would come and you had to come through customs, declare port of entry. Every place violence has broken out, for the most part, has been a gate city, a gate into this nation. Why is that strategic? Why is that important? Because whoever controls the gate controls the city or controls the nation. When the children of Israel went in to possess the land, they went into Jericho. Jericho is, is the eastern entrance into the promised land through which was then Edom, now Jordan, across the Jordan. They went up to Bashan, which is the Golan now. And they came into those entrances, into those gates. And then the southern gate is there at Gaza. Where's all the problems today in the Middle East? The Golan, which is Bashan in the Old Testament. It is Jericho in the Old Testament. And Jericho today, which is considered to be the oldest city in the world. And then it is Gaza on the southern end coming into Hebron and into those areas in Jerusalem. It's the gates. You say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with me individually? How does that help me individually? Because you are a gate. Lift up your head, O oh, you gates, and the king of glory shall come in. Lift up your head, O oh, you gates, and the king of glory shall come in. You're a gate. You're a gatekeeper, and you control a gate into your mind, into your heart, into your physical body, into your home, and into your family. In Isaiah 28, 6, listen to what it says. 
for spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. You have to turn the battle back at your gate. So my question is this, and I'm closing. Who's controlling the gates under your authority? Who's controlling the gates under your authority? I've come today looking for a people who are ready to turn back the battle at your gate. You've got to turn back the battle at your gate. Gates represent territory. The sad thing about church is we become so focused within our own selves, holy huddles, and we become so focused that we don't understand the territory that God's assigned to us as a people. You have a territory. Where do you work? Your classroom, your office, that department, that department in the store you have authority over, that office where you work. Those are, those are the places God has assigned you to exercise authority. So what do I need to do? You need to go in those places and begin to pray over those places. Speak God's word over those places. Find out what God wants to do in those places. How does God want to bless that business as a result of you being there? God didn't put you there just so you'd have a job. God put you there so you could be an advocate and, an, and, a, and a conduit of the kingdom of God into that place to bless that place. In Jesus' name, amen? Stand with me.